Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Your Clemson Tigers are playing for a national championship once again. Christian Wilkins isn't just too deep, he's four deep, and life is good. Welcome everyone to the national championship preview edition of the podcast. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight with Cody. And before we get started here, I want to encourage you to check out our Fiesta Bowl recap show, which is live now on our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash Podcast. While there, you can also check out our Pod Stravaganza show, where we interviewed guest panelists from UW, Ohio State, and our next opponent, Alabama. Um, all three of the guys are alumni of those respective schools, and it was a good time talking to them about the semifinal matchups. Um, and since we are about to face off with the Crimson Tide, we're going to touch base once more with our, our Alabama guest, a.k.a. the Bulldozer, uh, and we will get into that right now. Cool. We are joined tonight by the Bulldozer, um, our, our good friend from the Alabama fan base. Dozer, how you feeling? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Beat the dogs. Sent them back to the pound. Now we're uh, ready to see Clemson in the rematch. So uh, feeling good. Feeling good. Yeah, man, we are too for sure. Um, you know, for Clemson fans, I think this is, this is what we wanted uh, in terms of a rematch. You know, our ability to come in and take Alabama on. Um, and really great to be able to sit down with you and kind of pick apart this game from a Bama fan perspective uh, for our listeners and for um, hopefully some Alabama fans checking this game out too. So um, I just wanted to start it though for, for those Alabama kind of sidewalk fans. What do you feel like your fan base is feeling at this moment? And maybe how are, how are you feeling differently from what the larger fan base is thinking at this point? Well, the fan base right now is pretty much split 50-50. There are the uh, lesser educated, uh, the Walmart type fans, you know, buy the hat, you're the fan. Um, they are convinced we beat them last year. We're going to beat them again. The uh, more of 15%, the people that actually went to school and pay attention are uh, a little more worried. We, uh, we watched Clemson play and they look better than last year uh, on defense, especially from what uh, us watching or what me, I'm talking to my buddies. Um, and the thing that also worries us is the offense looks to be was not doing very well other than Bo Schimbucker. He was doing real well, but the rest of the offense wasn't doing very well. So You mean half Scarborough, is, right? Scarborough, yes, that's what I meant. We'll just call him Bo. <laughs> yeah, we'll just fine. call him Bo. Uh, but yeah. We're happy about him, but not too happy about the rest of the offense. So so Dozer, I'll, I'll definitely ask a few questions about the offense, but I want to start with the defense because last year I think the headlines going into the national championship were, you know, best historically good uh, defensive line. Uh, those two uh, behemoths in the middle that were so disruptive um, were, I mean, it was, it was definitely, definitely a task for Clemson. Uh, this year they say that the defense is even better. What, what's your assessment uh, really on all three levels of the defense? What, what's better? What's worse? Uh, where will Clemson potentially have some uh, some opportunities, and where will Bama, uh, I guess, be able to you know find some things that work for them? Okay, what's better is the front seven. I think our front seven's gotten better. Uh, Reuben Foster is a stud. Um, he's probably my favorite person on the defense right now, just because he's sideline to sideline, lay, uh, laying the wood, uh, and he also can cover. Uh, a slot receiver or a tight end if we need him to. Um, the thing that we started off well was the secondary, but they've just been hurt by injuries. Uh, so that's probably where I think the biggest chink in our armor and the biggest difference between this year and last year's defense uh, is just the secondary. And it, like again, they started off really well, but just as it, the injuries have piled up, it's gotten a lot worse. We did lose a backup uh, lineman to a gunshot injury. Uh, this was not from a club, though. This is from uh, being a redneck on a four-wheeler. Uh, we all, we've all been there, you know. Got to hold your shotgun in your left somehow. String's the best way. We all know that. <laughs> when you're putting that string on, you might shoot your finger off. 
everybody knows this is the reality of things, so you can't hold it against them too hard. Um, but I think our front seven uh, are better than everybody else in the co- in college football. Um, and it's from speed. Our size isn't as big as it has been, but our speed is just nuts, and I think that's really what's uh, making the difference this year. Yeah, sticking with the Alabama defense, in terms of any of the offenses you faced this year, what components do you see that have worked best game planning against this Alabama team, you know, across your schedule, including Washington? And, you know, we talked in the last show, the pod extravaganza about Bama not necessarily playing a, you know, a, a gauntlet or a juggernaut offense yet this year. But from what you saw from Washington, you know, was there anything that if you're an offensive coordinator for Clemson that you're looking to pick apart from that, take away and set into this scheme for this game? Uh, stick to your script. Like on that opening drive for Washington, when they would just march down the field and scored, it was their scripted plays. When they did what they wanted to do and didn't start thinking about what the defense is giving them, uh, they would march down the field, no problem. Uh, I think what the Alabama defense does is it scares uh, a lot of offensive coordinators into thinking what they need to do and not what they want to do. Uh, and once they get away from that, it starts going haywire. Um, and what you really can't do is get into a third and long where we can let our pass rushers just pin their ears back and hit you in the mouth. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Any questions you have for, for us regarding Clemson's offense and what we expect you know, our coaches to do in this game? Yeah, on the offense – who do you think is going to be the deep threat that beats Alabama? Because that's what right now with the way the defense is looking on Alabama, the deep threat is probably the best. The home run ball, I guess, is the best way to put it. Who's your home run threat, and do you think he's going to actually get a home run in this game? Yeah, very good question. I mean, I think that is a part that actually against Ohio State we didn't really need to lean on too much. You saw a lot of effective throws going to Mike Williams. Um, but I think to answer your question, in this game, the secret weapon that was not with us a year ago is Deion Kane. Um, he led the team, I think, in uh, passes caught over 20 yards into that deep ball range. Uh, he did not play in last year's national championship game due to a suspension, violating team rules, you know, highly rumored that that was drug-related. So I think he's eager to get on the field and, and get involved in this offense. And I could definitely see our offensive coordinators finding ways to get the ball in his hands um, it's going to depend on how the game plan is going and how the game itself is playing out in terms of our success against that Bama front, as you said. You know, a big thing is going to be Deshaun Watson buying himself enough time to for Deion Kane to get the one-on-one matchup or to get into that range for the deep ball. But, you know, he we've seen at times this year him out, out race and really go up and get balls against solid defenders. So I'm really looking for that that um, play from Deion Kane here. How about you, Cody? Yeah, I think well, I think we're gonna show a few deep balls. I mean, we're just just for the sake of showing it, just to may, maybe get the uh, the safeties to back off us, uh, back off of us a little bit. Um, I I would be if I were a Bama fan, I'd be a little bit more concerned about Mike Williams just because, and more not necessarily deep ball, but more the intermediate routes because you saw it against Ohio State, and they have really good cornerbacks, really lengthy, athletic, uh, maybe even more so than some of the Bama uh, secondary guys. So. Uh, I would be a little bit more worried about him on those those intermediate routes, you know, 15, 20 yards. But, uh, but you know, as Tully said, Deion Kane finally, or we have him back for this year. Um, Dozer, one, one more question for you about um, just kind of like the, the sentiment among Bama fans. And uh, that is Clemson's offense is really good. And the SEC, the offenses in the SEC are a little bit down. Tully alluded to it earlier. I'm curious if you guys, if there's any – I guess I won't say anxiety amongst the fans, but, you know, hey, we haven't faced an offense as good as Clemson this year. Uh, and, and that's not to say, and I don't believe this at all, that that's, that's a sign that Bama will have trouble stopping us. I think they'll have plenty of success. But what, what's your take amongst uh, Alabama fans in terms of not facing uh, an offense quite as uh, high caliber as Clemson's? Um, well, I, last week we did. Uh, Washington had a real good de- offense coming into the game, and then we just stopped them in their tracks. Uh, the difference is that Clemson's quarterback, y'all's quarterback, is just super athletic. Um, we've seen a few quarterbacks like that, Mississippi State's quarterback, uh, Brian Kelly at Ole Miss, but they're still not in the same level. So I think the quarterback run 
uh, which has burnt us in the past, is what we're worried about. But I'm sure Nick Saban has some washed-up can- uh, Canadian Football League quarterback running around at practice to make sure we won't get beat. Yeah, would you say that's your, I guess, your primary concern here is Deshaun Watson's mobility? I mean, certainly he, he racked up something close to 80 yards, I think, in last year's championship game. And that seemed to open up the offense for guys like Hunter Renfro to catch balls, just you know, keeping a lot of the secondary and you know, the better linebackers on your team up closer to the line. Sounds like that's your primary like, area of concern. Yeah, because like, we have a great pass rush, but he's fast enough to run away from it. And you, when you ask a cornerback to guard one-on-one for too long, there's only so much they can do. On the fifth move, they might miss one, you know? So uh, that's, that is the, probably the biggest concern. My question for y'all is, with all these players coming back off of being suspended for dr- uh, drug reasons, are you worried about their cannabinoid hy- hypermimesis syndrome affecting the way they can play? What is that? Uh, it's, a dr- it's a disease from smoking too much weed where you get really sick and throw up a lot, and the best way to uh, cure it is a hot shower. I don't know how many hot showers a player can take in one game, though, so that's what I'm worried about. Not too worried, but we will we'll keep an eye on that one, I suppose. Tell the trainers. They need to be on the lookout for it. Do you suffer from this disease? I'm just curious. No. I am a true Texan Republican. I've never smoked weed. Never will smoke weed. Only drug I need is a six-pack in the refrigerator and maybe some bourbon. Speaking of liquids, we want to get into Joey Freshwater and Lane Kiffin's departure from the team. Cody, what do you got? Yeah, I'm just well. I think it's the question everyone has, and we re, like it's all over ESPN. What does Bama do? Like both, what do you do from a, from a scheme standpoint, but also like what what does it mean? You know, will there be any dysfunction on offense because of the departure? Uh, the way I see it, yes, I am convinced that Lane Kiffin got drunk and hit on. Nick Saban's daughter, and Saban just got tired of it and fired him. Just was like, okay, I'm tired of hearing you talk about my my daughter's boobs. You're gone. Let's get the other out. Let's get the alcoholic in here. He's too drunk to know what he's talking to. He'll hit on a lamp. It's fine. I mean, to what degree Um, also was this this move based on Lane Kiffin continuing to try to throw the ball and have Jalen Hurts try to win this game for them when Bo Scarborough is averaging 11 and a half yards of carry in the second half. See, I don't think it's that because Nick Saban has always given Lane Kiffin enough rope to hang himself with, and then as soon as he starts doing badly, Nick Saban remind him who, reminds him who the good coach is and starts telling him what to call. Um, I think the biggest difference is that uh, the playbooks is probably going to shrink because uh, Sark doesn't have the confidence that Kane, uh, Lane has. Uh, so I think it's going to look like an old school SEC team, just running the ball, trying to get three, four yards of carry. And then on third down, you throw the ball when you have to, um, there really won't be much tricks because Lane always had one or two tricks. He'd try to run some stupid reverse or something when you can just run it downhill, keep it between the tackles and we'll be fine. <laughs> Even though Clemson's off uh, defensive line is much larger than that of Washington's, except for that guy that I could not pronounce his name, Stevie T. I think it was they were calling him. I had no idea how to pronounce his name. No idea. Um, so, so you think that uh, Sarkeesian will be a little bit? He'll he'll have a little bit more free reign as opposed to. No, he's gonna he's gonna close he's gonna close the he's gonna make the playbook smaller because he just doesn't have the confidence that Lane has. Lane's always got that shit-eating grin on his face. <laughs> thinks he knows more than everybody. He has eight uh, plays up his sleeve. He wants to run any given game. It yeah. Just, it happens. Um, Sark is just happy to be back in the back with a headset on that actually somebody can listen to him, you know? Uh, so. Is it concerning at all that, that Sarkeesian may be a little bit more conservative than Lane? And, and you, in the – in our Fiesta Bowl, where Ohio State was a little one-dimensional, they couldn't do anything in the run game, we were able to have a lot of success. Is that worrisome for you at all? Uh, not really, because I think it'll just give us 
it'll make us focus on our what we're good at, which is running the ball downhill. And then we have enough threats on the outside. And Jalen Hurts has a good enough arm. We haven't seen his arm recently. Like I saw what I was saying last time I was talking to y'all. His arm has not been there recently. If his arm shows up, we're fine. Because uh, he can throw it downfield. Intermediate passes when he's rolling out, he's perfectly accurate with those. So it, I'm not too worried. The thing I'm most worried about with the whole lane leaving thing is just the players getting in their own heads and uh, worrying about what other people's perceptions are. But the thing we have covered there is Nick Saban's got his fake news bulletin board up in the locker room. He's just feeding them trash, so they're going to be focused on other stuff. I'm sure half the players don't realize Lane Kiffin's gone just because Nick Saban refuses to talk to his players about it. So I'm sure we'll be fine. If you're Clemson's defensive coaches, Brent Venables, what aspect of this Alabama D are you going to try to eliminate? You mentioned downhill running, and you know we're pretty confident in, in our front with you know our 340-pound true freshman, Dexter Lawrence, um, and our defensive line is really the strength of this defense. That's where I'd scheme, but you know what element of this offense would you really aim to exploit if you're, you're our defense? Oh, and to exploit is a third and long. Make Jalen Hurts sit in the pocket and throw the ball. Don't let him roll out and get comfortable because he's comfortable running the ball. You make him sit in the pocket and make him feel like he's getting pressure closing in on him. He'll get hot, happy feet and try to do something stupid. That's what you do is you just force him to sit in the pocket like you, people would do with T Tim Tebow. Make him sit in the pocket and hold on to the ball for longer than he's comfortable with and you'll get interceptions. If I Not saying he's Tim Tebow because he doesn't touch little Filipino boys' penises, uh, but and he's not as big as Tim Tebow. But you hold him in the pocket long enough, he'll look like Tim Tebow. So uh, that sorry, I'm kind of laughing about the Tebow remark. So if you guys, if I tell you right now, your offense will score 14 points, do you guys come away with the win? And that and that's not obviously including special teams or you know pick sixes. 14 points by the tied offense, is that enough to win? Yes, because our defense will score seven. So 21 wins. I think uh, it's going to be a lower – I think it's going to be pretty low scoring. Uh, if the if the defensive coordinators get what they the matchups they want and get everything going the way they want, I really think it's going to be a 21-17 to seven ga 17 game. Um, Y'all's offense is good enough that they're going to put points on the board. Uh, we just need to be able to put – uh, some special teams or defensive points on the board, and we'll be fine. Uh, we've done that all consistently all year. There was a slump of one or two games. I think it was two games that we just the defense, our special teams didn't score. But um, I'm confident we'll get some a couple turnovers, whether they be fumbles or interceptions, because um, this year our defense has got a nose for the ball, and I think that's going to make the biggest difference on uh, the scoreboard. Yeah, I think, you know, for us as, as fans looking at this game and certainly looking at last year's national championship game, uh, the turnover and just Alabama finding enough on special teams, including an onside kick at the right moment, I mean, those things still give us fits, still give us nightmares thinking about that game. I think that certainly in a, in a well-played game, and a, a close game between two, you know, pretty comparably talented teams, um, that could come away with the difference. If this right. game should turn into a shootout, how do you like Alabama's chances? Alabama always wins, man. I don't know. We're uh, we're like the house in Las Vegas. We'll find a way to win. We'll take your money from you. Uh, but if it turns into a shootout, um, we will prop Nick Saban will probably tell Stark to start slowing it down, and we'll just start eating clock. We did that against against A and M. Johnny Manziel's second year. It ended up being a shootout, and in the fourth quarter, Nick Saban just. Start running the ball. I know we're down by seven, but let's start running the ball. Use more clock and then make the de give the defense a break, and we'll figure it out. And that's what worked. Um, my question for y'all, though, is many of us fans are calling for the suspension of your complete defensive line after they've admitted to being repeat sexual uh, offenders. Uh, I truthfully... Don't know, because like I'm fine with locker room talk. You can talk about doing it, but you can't do it. President talks about doing it, but he doesn't do it. Defensive linemen can talk about doing it, but you can't put your hand up another man's butt. 
How do y'all support just repeat offenders like that? And the thing is, like, they're not even sorry for it. Scoreboard. What? What game? You know, I guess the uh, the ends justify the the means. Um, <laughs> how do you feel about no suspensions for off the field transgressions? If you don't get, if you're for off the field transgressions. If you're like, not you know, indicted, it doesn't count. If there's no indict indictment, it does not count. <laughs> Another question. How upset are y'all going to be when Dabo Sweeney leaves Clemson when Nick Saban retires in probably two or three years to coach Alabama? Are y'all going to be like super butthurt or just kind of butthurt about it? How many years away do you think that'll be? I think it's two to three. I really – Nick Saban's going get to re- get the record – Probably make sure everything's good to go and then leave. The man, the man wants to get to his lake house. Let me open. He's he's already opened two car dealerships. He's starting to check out. Will you guys be happy to get Dabo, or do you feel like everything's a drop off after Saban? Everything is. There is a drop off after Saban, but it's either Dabo or Urban Meyer, and I freaking hate Urban Meyer. Uh, and I don't think he'd ever be allowed back in the SEC after he faked a heart attack to get away. Um, I mean, my so. question right now, you know, knowing his loyalty aside, knowing your your Bama Bama fandom, if you're Dabo, do you go to Alabama immediately following Nick Saban, knowing the expectations, knowing what he's done, which is damn near impossible to re- repeat, or do you stay in a Clemson where you're going to be in that conversation year after year in the ACC? I don't know. Dabo's got got a lot of cock swagger, uh, is how I like to think of him. So I think he's going to be. He thinks he's the best. And that's what makes him good. He's not the best, but him thinking he's the best makes him pretty good. Yeah, and when Nick Saban retires, um, it'll be great. And then y'all can probably hire like Les Miles or Chip Kelly or something and have some really funny ears. Yeah, we're hoping that that day is far off from Dabo leaving, but by then we should have a couple national titles under our belt. Uh, okay. Not counting this year, right? Not this year. Next year. We will see. Well, any parting thoughts, Dozer? Any final score predictions? You already, you already thought twenty-one seventeen might be it, but is that your final number? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna stick to that number. My question for y'all though is, would you like to make a wager? What, what did you have in mind? Um, I'm not a Vegas man, so I don't like doing spreads. So I was going straight up. Tide wins. If the tide wins. You have to do your next three podcasts with a lead-in song of my choice. If that's my side, y'all could come up with something similar, or we can make the stakes even greater. I'm fine with upping the stakes, but I would like to be able to taunt your fans with your podcasts if we win. How about we give you a one-minute lead-in to our recap show, and if Clemson wins, let's see. Let, no, let's have him come on. You got to come on if Clemson wins. How about that? You got to do one. Of okay, it's fine. And I have to, we'll do an exit interview. Uh, if we'll just do an exit interview, let's just say, well, yeah, that's fine with me. It's All right. Me. It is a deal. Well, uh, thanks again for coming on. We appreciate the insight. Well, you'll never say what y'all score. What was y'all score predictions? I'm, I still haven't, I don't know. I haven't thought or, uh, I haven't landed on anything yet. I'm, I agree with you though. I think it'll be low scoring. The over/under is at 51. If you're gonna put all of your, you know, your kids' college money on on something, I'd put it on the under. Yeah, me too. I like Clemson and the under also in this um, closer game. I mean, I still haven't, you know, formulated my final pick here. I think slightly higher than yours, though, Dozer. I'm gonna say in the 40s combined. Um, but it's gonna be a fun one. It's definitely coming down to the last two minutes. Okay. Oh, quick question. Actually, I just thought it. I just remembered this. Are y'all fine with Clemson's repeated just misogyny and disregard for the human, uh, the female? Explain. Because um, as you're aware, um, the founder of Hooters is a big booster of Clemson. Y'all's fine arts building is even as gone as far as being named after him. Just an entrepreneur. 
trying to get by in the world. Uh, he's offered a service for years, employing many people around this country, male and female. All getting law degrees. Sure, they're all getting law degrees. Working their way through college, um, you know, better than a strip club. And he had an airline at one point. You know, I, I applaud his entrepreneurial spirit. And the food is really delicious. Okay, it's, eh. it's, it's okay. Okay, okay, as long as you're being truthful. All right, well, that is all the time we got. Thanks again, Dozer. You're the man. And um, we will talk to you after Clemson wins. Okay, I'll see you. I'll see you when you all win a championship in two years. Done deal. Bye. <laughs> Bye. All right, well, that was certainly interesting to hear from a uh, true blue Alabama fan. Cody, were you surprised at all by any of his remarks, particularly about their state of mentality coming into this game as an Alabama fan base? Yeah, I mean, you talk about nearly like every scenario, and he's, you know, they feel confident. And, and I don't think, I mean, call it arrogance, call it smugness, whatever, but I mean, they've won, I don't know how many championships now, and they, they four out of seven. Four out of seven, and Saban pulls it out no matter what. You know, you saw the, the rabbit out the hat last year. So I don't really blame him for being a little overly confident. Um, I, wonder, I wonder if they were to lose, if we are to upset them. I wonder if it stings a little bit more, though. Like, wow, we didn't expect this. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, a lot of Clemson fans talk about getting respect when we win. We saw how Urban Meyer reacted and some of their, their players post-game and their, some of their fans saying, oh, it was Ohio State that shot themselves in the foot, not really giving Clemson credit. If we come out of this with a win, it will be interesting to see how Alabama fan reacts. I mean, it certainly it matters how we win that game and how we beat them. But either way, I don't, I don't care. Let's just win the game. Right. And for me, you know, we're Oklahoma. There was a little bit of trash talk. And, you know, there's some things that kind of go on behind the scenes that makes you want to beat a team like you know, Ohio State. At this point, it's just about winning a national championship, more so than, you know, sticking it to an opposing team. Uh, it'll be great to potentially beat Alabama. But more than anything, we just want to hang a banner. Yeah, definitely. Um, maybe last comment on the psyche of their fan base. I was in the building last year in Glendale when we lost to Alabama. And one of the things I've commented on a few times on our show throughout the last year since that, since, since that happened was after that win, just how you know calm and not even all that excited the Alabama fans were that I saw walking out of that stadium. Almost like you know, there's this, this expectation or it's business as usual winning these titles. And that's something that sort of made me sad you know, to not revel in your win, especially in a game that was that hard fought and where they certainly had the chance to lose it something that I just can't comprehend being, you know, the passionate fan that I am and not really living that much success as a Clemson fan. I kind of hope we never get to that point. On the other hand, I kind of hope we, we do get to that point with that many titles. Right. I'd rather, I'd like to win four in seven years and take the, take the fourth one for granted a little bit. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, I don't think five to eight would be any better for that, but, you know, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And, you know, let's, I think this is, Potentially, and maybe this is a good pivot here, do you feel like this year's Clemson team has a better shot going into this game than last year's did at a macro level? I, yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, it's it's more just because of, I think, their focus. And I know it sounds cliche because we hear how, how focused they are and how intense they are and all these things. But I think it matters in terms of preparation and knowing that they weren't quite as focused last year. They lost concentration, but I think it's in the film study it's Deshaun Watson knowing what to you know what to expect, and I think that's where it helped it helps us. All things aside, you can put S and P ratings, total offense, total defense aside. This lead up into you know the national championship, there will be more focus on film, on what the coaches tell them. Everything it'll be it'll be scripted. They'll be ready. I think in addition to that, something that is benefiting Clemson for the moment is our injury luck coming into this game. You know, a year ago, Shaq Lawson had a shoulder issue. Mac had a hamstring issue that really played itself out. Deion Kane was not with the team. Mike Williams didn't play after the first series of the season, um, you know, to name a few of the players. You know, really for this year, we've had some injuries. We've had some guys not come back. You know, Adrian Baker, Corin Wiggins didn't really play out too well. But we're pretty much as full staff as you're going to get, right? You know, you, cat's out the bag. I, I've been thinking this all year, but I haven't said it. Um, so if we lose, it's your fault, Tully. Uh, <laughs> if we lose because of injury, it's your fault. Now, I, I, we've had really unprecedented injury luck, and sometimes that's all. That's what it takes to win a championship. We weren't so fortunate last year. I'm okay. I'm okay winning. You know, actually, think back, think back to last year, suspensions, uh, Ebo going out at the beginning of the season, like you said, Shaq and Mac. That was Amon it. Lake up, right? Amon Lake up, right. That was the, and that was the championship. And, uh, yeah, we've been fortunate so far, but I'm, I'm knocking on wood. 
yeah, maybe to take it back to some of the, you know, to get into the matchup here, um, you know, X's and O's a bit. Going back to something Dozer mentioned was when Alabama's on offense, he thinks their identity and what they're going to aim to establish and what they'll be successful with is running the football, you know, gaining their three to four yards of carry, if not more. Um, knowing what Clemson's defense just did, game planning for Ohio State, where running was the strength of that offense, eliminating that from the Buckeyes' game plan, intimidating their their team. Do you sort of agree with his sentiment? They'll be able to do that at will. No, <laughs> because, because I mean, it's like simply, I, I we haven't given up. Uh, you know, in the in the trenches, we we don't break. We're probably the best defensive tackle unit in the country, if not you know, if, if not one of the top three or four. Uh, we can, we can, we get, we get, um, we cover our gaps. We get off blocks, guys like Dexter Lawrence, Carlos Watkins. And then what we can do is add a guy there. We're very good at um, sending guys through the A gap, like Bulware and, and Kendall Joseph. Um, that's like, that'll be where we start. If we will make sure of nothing else that they do not run through that A gap and have success. And they can beat us all day on the outside with the deep ball. But if anything, we're not giving up that. For sure. I mean, I think one of the biggest talent advantages coming or talent or statistical advantages going into the Ohio State game was Clemson on passing downs and um, making JT Barrett beautiful with his arm, I think worked out into our favor. But doing that by eliminating the run game and forcing them into passing situations was key. Um, I think winning winning first downs, winning standard standard downs here um, is going to be really critical for Clemson. And I trust Brent Venables and the staff to dial up the right level of be it pressure or be it formations through the middle, um, you know, to make this happen. Something that I haven't read up too much on is Scott Pagano. He was sort of lifeless on the field during that Van Smith interception return for something like 84 yards. And he was just shaken up on the play. I don't think there's really anything um, from a lingering injury issue going on with Scott Pagano, but I don't know if you've read up on that. Um, but I think he, you know, certainly he will be critical to shoring up some of the center part of that defensive line at the very least, from a depth perspective, right? No, absolutely. I, I had that thought uh, when, as I was rewatching the Fiesta Bowl. And for one, yeah, we're, we're going to need him. We're going to need him healthy. We don't ever release injuries, it doesn't seem. So he could be very well be injured and in, in planning to play through it. But also, you know, say what you, say what you want about Alabama. Um, and and uh, as, as Dozer said, they'll, they'll look to go to Scarborough. We'll do everything we can, but they do have a tough-nosed offensive line group that I think probably the best that we've seen this year. It's not to say that we can't win our our fair share of battles. I think we will, but key thing is after if, if they have the time of possession, if they have the ball a lot, if they do um, have some success, they will go to pace, and that's where they can have. Uh, that's where we need to be able to rotate Pagano in. And at this point, we're at, we're sitting at three defensive tackles. Maybe you move Christian Wilkins inside. That's a nice luxury to be able to move an All-American inside if, if you have to. But it'll be good to have Pagano. Yeah, I think, you know, more than any other game we'll play this year, this will come down to a four-quarter game. And you saw in the Washington game, they maybe had a, a nice start on offense. But overall, this is going to be four quarters. And um, you can't have short fields. You can't have turnovers and expect our defense not to get tired out in this game. You know, this will be this team's, what, 15th game on the year. Um Ben Bulware made comments today in interviews that if they had to play a 16th game, move into an 18 playoff, he would literally die, was his comment. Um, just, you know, all the energy expended in these games. So that's something that, you know, we really can't keep that defense on the field for extra possessions in this game, if possible. Right, right. It's, it, takes a, it takes a toll. And, uh, and I think they, they did a great job in the high state game of playing all four quarters. And again, another cliche, but that's what it is. I mean, they, they really played hard for all four quarters, and I think they'll, they can muster up uh, one more game and, and at least play, give out everything they have all the way through. Sticking with where Clemson might have decisive advantage, certainly our pass rush showed out in the Fiesta Bowl, and with quarterback Jalen Hurts, you know, maybe across the board, Alabama may have a, a more effective offense than Ohio State, still predicated on that run game. Jalen Hurts can hurt you with his feet, similar to Barrett. He's not quite as big, but probably faster overall. Um, they do have playmakers in the in the passing game, but I think that's still where I got to give Clemson the advantage with what they can do in the pass rush, with the front seven. Um, you know, to to disrupt the opposing team's passing game. Do you agree? And do you see that really as a key to this game? Yeah, I I, I absolutely. Um, we have uh, a decided. We should have a decided advantage, at least on paper. 
the way we stack up on defense in our front seven. Uh, you look back to the Washington game, their defensive line, um, they, you know, they're, they were better than I suspected. Um, they, they have some athletic guys. Eventually they wore down. Uh, you look at the, the LSU game. Now they were playing at LSU, uh, a very inspired LSU team. But that, that is the defensive line, I think, that mirrors ours. They have guys on the edge that are very athletic. Their defensive tackles are big, and they move well. Um, I mean, you can't – I mean, who Auburn and maybe Florida State that also you could say the same that have a defensive line that's comparable. Um, and they had a lot of success, a lot of success, and a, and a blueprint that I think uh, Venables can draw off of in that they were sending extra guys on the edge to make sure uh, that, to make sure that Hurts was bottled up in the pocket. And uh, it, it, they had a lot of success. And I suspect we will, too. I think we'll be more less on the edge and more, again, through the A-gap or up the middle, um, sending you know bullet blitzes. But I think you put him in that situation, he's not very good. If he, if he stays in the pocket too long, decision-making is not great as, as, as most freshmen. I mean, that's what you would suspect. So, Cody, we talked a little bit about what Clemson needs to do to control some of the running game on, when Alabama's on offense. I want to shift a little bit to when they're – forced to pass the ball or when they choose to pass the ball um, with Steve Sarkeesian calling signals here. Looking at some stats from pro football focus, it looks like Jalen Hurts, when he's under pressure, uh, his completion percentage drops to something like 47%, well below 50%. Um, And I think for me, that's a big key to this game. I think conversely, though, Alabama's offensive line is like seventh in the country at um, pass protection overall. So you know, from certainly we know pass rush is one of Clemson's biggest strengths, but I think we're we're likely to get home a bit less in this game than we were in the Fiesta Bowl. Do you still think Clemson's likely to get home in this game? I don't. I don't think so. Um, I think he'll. I think they'll do a good job of collapsing the pocket, setting the edge. I think we'll we'll do fine there, uh, and I think we'll do fine stopping the run game. Kind of an X factor in the game will be Jalen Hurts and how he does in the passing game, and also. What they what they done all year is they start horizontal. They 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 don't necessarily go with the deep ball. They've had Calvin Ridley there, who we were all worried about last year because he is a special player. But I don't think they have the guy and Hurts to get him the ball with regularity. So do they move? Do they start hitting us on the outside? And can we make tackles in space? Can our secondary get off blocks? Can our linebackers get off blocks and make those tackles? Uh, that's that's probably step one. And then uh, step two, if they if Jalen Hurts, I mean, I, I think it's a tall task for him in terms of having understanding his reads, seeing the different things that Venables will throw at him. I'm sure there'll be a lot of stunts, a lot of blitzes, delay blitzes. So it's going to be a lot on his shoulders, um, and he'll have to make. I mean, he'll have to make some passes downfield, and, and that could not necessarily decide the game, but it'll have a, a big impact on the final result. We'll definitely get into Steve Sarkeesian here calling plays now that um, Lane Kiffin's left the team or been asked to leave the team. In this, in this Alabama-Washington game in the Peach Bowl, they started to introduce Bo Scarborough, who's actually the third leading rusher on the football team this year. Seems like you know in every big game, Nick Saban and his offensive coaches are able to dial up a wrinkle of their offense to get something going. This time it seemed like it was Bo Scarborough who had an incredible game. A year ago against Clemson, you know we were game planning against Derrick Henry and Calvin Ridley and other elements of their passing attack. Um, and it turned out O.J. Howard burned us. You know, a lot of that we can point to blown blown coverages, you know, potentially um, safety play that wasn't as focused as we would have liked. Uh, you know, looking at this offense, what you've seen on film, what elements do you think, I don't know that there'll be anything that surprises us, but if you were their coaches, what elements and what playmakers would you absolutely get the ball to? Yeah, I mean, I, I want to get... I want to get uh, Stewart. I'm losing. I can't quite think of his name. I want to get Stewart out in space and, and try to allow him to make some plays. Get him in the flats. Go to go to Howard again. I don't think you're going to see the aggression from the safeties that you saw last year that resulted in the in the big plays. And part of that too is getting the play calls in late. And on top of that, a little uh, miscommunication between a backup cornerback Adrian Baker. So for one, stay healthy. Two, get the play calls in on time. I'm sure we'll learn from that. Um, but again, slightly less aggression. So we want to keep everything in front of us, not let them beat us downfield. And uh, yeah, if I'm, if I'm dialing something up, it's probably again, it's in the flats. Uh, and see if we can see if they can make uh, plays against our linebackers and and our secondary. Yeah, I mean, I think Howard certainly still could be a, a big factor in this game. We've seen certain tight ends this year 
Um, going back to the Louisville game in particular that gave us fits. Um, but I think this team has developed since then, and it hasn't been as big of an issue. Uh, but yeah, our Darius Stewart is Alabama's, um, I wouldn't say best receiving option, but he's the best at forcing missed tackles and uh, has something like 116 catches the last two years. So definitely a weapon that they're willing to lean on. Right. And, you know, just a thought from the interview there with Dozer and uh, the the thought that he might, uh, that Sarkeesian actually might be more conservative than Lane Kiffin and, and really lean heavy on the run game to to the point where you, you kind of disregard the, the pass game. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some some balance there. But if that is the case, I really, really like our chances in it. And I can't, you know, I'm sure Dozer doesn't speak for all Bama Nation, but if they really feel like they can just lean on the run game all, all along, I mean, it's all game long, it's going to be a rude awakening for them. I mean, we're, you know, NFL players on, on that defensive line. I really like that scenario where they're really super conservative. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, the only counter to that is if our defense is getting gassed, like, is that a strategy they employ in a third quarter um, if our defense is starting to wear down? Both Scarborough is going to run over, all over you, but... I, I do I do have confidence in our playmakers and our talent to slow that down some, especially if they become sort of predictable in their play calling. Exactly, you know, and if it, right, if if we're in a position where we're turning the ball over in their territory, then we have bigger issues than just time of possession and our defense being gassed. We're probably already down twenty eight to nothing by that point. Right. Uh, well, I do want to comment slightly on the Lane Kiffin kind of Sarkeesian element, and not going to make any cracks of either of those guys. You know, they're accomplished coaches. Um, but I, I can't think that in any way that this is a benefit to their team, um, to, to their offensive players. You know, you read a number of different tweets from people that have talked to former players, former coaches, and you know, anytime players on offense are used to hearing a voice of one coach, to switch that up, especially on a freshman quarterback like Jalen Hurts, this can't possibly be an advantage. You know, even if Saban, even if they're concerned with some of the play calling that Kiffin had in that Washington game, I still think you know, the consistency that you're losing here is going to play into this game in some way. Agreed. And, and you know, maybe you can clarify, but it doesn't necessarily mean it'll be an advantage for Clemson or a, or a, or a weakness for Bama, but in no way, it'll, it'll be only worse, if anything, right? Right. Possibly neutral, but probably somewhat of a disadvantage. Um, so, you know, if we're, we're Clemson fans, we're looking for silver linings <laughs> or, you know, potential factors for a victory, you could add that to somewhere on the list. We want complete dysfunction from their offense, similar to what we saw from Ohio State. So maybe keeping it there before we flip to Clemson on offense. I mean, Cody, do you envision a scenario where we are as dominant as the Fiesta Bowl? Uh, I can't think we'll be as dominant because we really preyed off of their two, um, one injured offensive guard and the other um, kind of poor uh, performance from their left tackle. And Alabama has no weak links um, but they're certainly, we certainly will win, I think, maybe slightly up front. So, but I just can't envision a Nick Saban-led team to just completely crap the bed. Uh, I mean, it happened to Meyer, but I, I just can't see it happening with, uh, with this Alabama team. Yeah, I think in my question, I didn't imply a shutout here. Uh, but, you know, we mentioned in the interview potentially holding Alabama's offense to two scores or t- two touchdowns. Do you see that as more of a reality? Yeah, I mean, if you put the over-under at, we'll say, two scores by their offense, I feel pretty good um, about that that scenario. And I, I, think, I think it's very realistic that we can hold them to 14 points on offense. Yeah, I do too. Um, a lot of it is going to have to do with, you know, turning them over too. Jalen Hurts does that. Also, you know Clemson, their tackles for lost track record speaks for itself. Bama's prone to giving that up, especially from Jalen Hurts and some of his, you know, happy feet or scrambling behind the line. Um, so hoping for some disruption there, you know, maybe strip sacks, that kind of thing going on. Um, I think Clemson, you know, can, as many turnovers as we had, we were also a quality team at forcing turnovers. And that could be a factor in this game that helps us. Right. I mean, it's it's tough to say at this point. Um, they do protect the ball. Um, I, I don't know. They're going to have the advantage in terms of points aside from uh, offense. But, uh, yeah, if we can... You tell me now, we'll, we'll hold them to 14 points on their op- when they're on offense. I'm, I think I'm happy with it. Let's take this chance to flip it over to uh, Clemson on offense. You know, I think this is going to be, I would expect, the matchup that gives Alabama fans the most anxiety coming into this game, and that is um, Deshaun Watson against Alabama's ferocious front line. 
Um, certainly, we've got our O-line going up there. And I think they, they had a, a really strong game against Ohio State. Very athletic front there. Um, but they were able to buy enough time for Deshaun to make plays, less so with his feet, but definitely um, in the passing game. And, you know, I think Alabama is likely to put in a better performance than Ohio State. Um, we put up 31 against Ohio State first time this season. Uh, but, Cody, I mean, do you sort of see Clemson's ability to move this ball weighing even more importantly on Deshaun Watson's ability to run the ball this game? I think so. Well, I think it's over his whole decision-making altogether because I think they're going to throw a lot of things at him. So pre-snap, I think he's going to have to do a lot of calculating and make the right decision. So it, a lot of it falls on his shoulders in, in terms of running, but also like he needs to sniff out the blitz and know when he's got a receiver open, know when, he's, know when he sees a defensive back giving his receiver a little cut or giving the receiver a little cushion. It's those type of plays that like you have to really look hard. Um, I don't think it will come down. I think I don't think ultimately him moving or uh, making scrambles will be what will decide the game. I think it's going to be his passing and his decision making on zone reads, on uh, run pass options. And things like that. Yeah, and we talked a, a bit about a deep ball as well. You know, finding the right matchups there, finding the right opportunity to go deep with it. Um, you haven't seen too many offenses be successful there. Washington was on their lone touchdown of the game. Um, and they have a really strong receiver in Pettis who came down with that one. But, yeah, I think, I think you're right. It ultimately will come down to that decision-making. Uh, but Clemson has its fair share of playmakers that can get open, can get in the right spots. I think they're going to have the hardest time, hardest challenge this year doing that. What gives me comfort are is the how multiple we are, how many different threats there are um, for this offense to try to get things going. And last year it was Hunter Renfro. Maybe you see him getting as involved this year. We've got Mike Williams back on on the field this time. He had a, an amazing game against Ohio State. I would certainly expect him to be involved here. Maybe that's where they're assigning some of their best their best corner talent against us when they're going in man. Um, to eliminate him, and maybe that opens it up for Renfro. Yeah, I think. Yeah, no, I, I think the biggest thing is um, is is paying attention. Are they going to stay in man coverage, or will they stay in man coverage? I think they will. I think they'll put. Uh, I think like you know their their linebackers are super fast. That's the thing that really jumps out at me when you watch them on tape. And I think they'll they'll want to spy Watson and keep him bottled up and not let allow him to run and make them beat you with his uh, make us beat uh, Alabama with his arm. So. Yeah, I, I agree. Renfro, uh, Mike Williams will be, and that's another reason I don't think the run will be him running. Yeah, certainly it'll help, but ultimately it'll come down to finding those guys' accuracy and uh, and reading the defense pre-snap. One thing that you pointed out last year was uh, we were going to move the pocket, roll the pocket out, allow him to make plays on the run. He's really, really good at that. He, and I think even the numbers shake out and say that he, uh, Deshaun Watson, passes almost with the same proficiency. Uh, when he's rolling out as he does when he's in the pocket. So um, part of that is you roll the pocket up, you take out half of the line, you have to half of their defensive line out of the equation. And uh, that's that's what I'm looking to see in moments like that, how um, how accurate can he be? Yeah, I think what you can also do, and I was chatting with um, STS's DBBM um, the other day on Twitter, just about setting up with an un unbalanced offensive formation where you have all the receivers and tight end off to one side of the formation. Um, being able to do that and disrupt where Alabama has their personnel, that can open some things up either in running opposite the, the play side with Deshaun Watson or um, getting Wayne Gallman out as a lead blocker could be interesting there. Uh, so, yeah, I think you know doing things with formations to disrupt this, de this defensive line strengths you know, is definitely something I expect from Tony Elliott. Yeah, and you, you mentioned uh, Gallman um, in terms of rolling out. I think for him... This is really going to be his showcase for the NFL because I think he's going to have some options to uh, or some opportunities uh, catching the ball, I mean, either out of the backfield or on a wheel route. Um, as safety a, valve situations. Right, safety. Yeah. yeah, like a check down type situation. So I, I'll watch him. And also, man, he's going to have his hands full uh, with Foster and Williams at linebacker and picking up picking up the blitz. He's, he's going to talk about Bullware not wanting a 16th game. I don't think Gallman wants another game, or at least after this one, he won't. But he did a great job against Ohio State um, with similar athletes. And let's not act like Alabama is just un, untouchable. They're very similar athletically and physically to Ohio State, so it's not like it's nothing we've never we've ever seen before. And we saw them a year ago and hung forty on them. Good point. With fewer offensive weapons, um, but you know Dozer commented he thought that this year's 
Uh, front seven is more skilled, more talented, faster than last year's. Maybe last year's team had an advantage in the passing game. For a team that passed the ball at will last year against a strong secondary, that gives me some confidence going into this game. I think the, the key is going to be, can Deshaun, can that O-line buy enough time to make his progressions and find the open open receiver or where they where we've got the right mashups? Right, I, I agree with that. I, we do a, like, I think the numbers shake out too. We do a, a good job in pass protection. Um, it's but Deshaun Watson, he's he's in charge of a lot of that. He's the reason behind a lot of that. So he's he knows and he's got that internal clock. I think he had it last year. He's got to get the ball up pretty quickly. He's got he's got to see things or or he goes to the scramble. So um, can we protect Deshaun Watson? I think I think we can for a certain amount of time. But that internal clock's ticking, and he'll know when to when to make a move if, if things aren't opening up. So the, and maybe that's another uh, subplot uh, thing to watch. Uh, will receivers get separation? And uh, it's a lot of things, but a lot of it, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to Deshaun Watson. Uh, interestingly, one of Alabama's lead cornerbacks, uh, Marlon Humphrey, everyone knows him. Um, you know, he, he allowed only 28 receptions on the year um, and through the semifinal with Washington. But it looks like when there were catches, you know, going, going up against him on defense, he was allowing 16.3 yards per catch. He was at 17 yards per catch a year ago. Um, so that, you know, to me, it strikes me that he's giving players cushion. Maybe he can track them down or rely on safety help. Uh, but that's something if we've got, you know, Mike Williams, say, going against Humphrey, I like our chances in that matchup one-on-one. Minka Fitzpatrick's likely to, to cover the slot, probably going to be Artavis Scott, potentially Renfro. Uh, but that, those two are going to be pretty key matchups to this, this showdown. Agreed. I think with Mike Williams, you always have an opportunity at a, at a mismatch. Uh, we saw Deshaun Watson. He's not afraid to throw up a 50-50 ball, and that that could be what decides the game. Do the do they uh, do they undercut the routes, get the pick, or can can Williams come away? Um, I like, think that yeah. you know, and, and to, of course that's the risk here. I think in these you know leave it all on the field type of games, it's worth it's worth taking those shots. It's worth risking it and you know pushing the issue. We're not gonna we're unlikely to play a perfect series every time this game. You know we can't be having enough turnovers that allow Alabama to score touchdowns on those turnovers. They're the best in the country at doing that. But I think, you know, in order to move this ball in this defense, we're going to have to take those shots. And, you know, even if it's not working out, Clemson had two picks in this Ohio State game. The rest of the time, pretty darn solid, right? So. Right. And, and for me, too, it's you, I, you definitely want to try to stretch the field and, and keep balance both with running and downfield passing. But you, I, I think you you got to keep the chains moving a little bit, both to keep your defense off the field, but also for the field position. So you, I, I don't think you can necessarily say, hey, well, let's take some home run shots and see what happens. I think you need to try uh, to be efficient early um, and only use the deep ball if you know you got it, if you see something there. Um, keep it in your back pocket. I would say hold off to like, at least the second quarter. Fair enough. Absolutely. Um, any other keys or wrinkles to you in Clemson's offense that we could start to employ in this game? You know, if we need that sort of, like we were on the wrong side of trick plays or kind of, introducing wrinkles in last year's game um, outside of what Renfro is able to do. Where could you see the coaches kind of pull a, a, a card out of their, something they have up this, up their sleeve? You know, the, the jump pass against Ohio state was, I thought that was brilliant. And I think we'll go back to that because uh, they, they were sure that it. just wasn't a troll for urban Meyer going back to Tebow. <laughs> it could, could have been if, if, uh, if Watson would have kneeled down and did the thing that would have been uh, solidified it. But no, I, I think that's a great play. Whenever you get those linebackers who are going to be, they're wanting to eat, man. They're going to bite, yeah. They're going to bite. And uh, I think a little bit better execution, and that, that's Gallman to the house. So I, I would look for that. Um, how, can we, um, how can we beat them? Inter, the intermediate, the middle part of the field. I, in terms of wrinkles, I, I don't know. I, I hope there's a few wrinkles. Yeah, yeah. We, we'll absolutely see here. And, you know, I, I think another weapon that we've, we've leaned on is, is Jordan Leggett. And, you know, is he the physical type of pass catcher that can hold up in coverage against their skilled, talented linebackers can, similar to what OJ Howard did last year, can we get some of their safeties to bite on, you know, being too aggressive and can he hurt you over the middle? You know, we've seen what he was able to do against Florida state and Louisville, you know, gaining that necessary yard to get us the right amount of, you know, yardage. I think Leggett, he had a tremendous game against OSU more in the blocking game. I think this game we might see him be a bigger factor in the passing game. I, I think so. He, he could definitely be a guy to circle. And, 
his blocking, I know we talk about it. It's, I mean, that that is what could decide if we get those extra yards in the run game because we're going to have to go to the, the perimeter, do some things with jet sweeps, guys in motion, uh, screen passes. And can Leggett hold blocks? Can he do, be a good blocker, uh, lead blocker? And, you know, that also goes for our Davis Scott and Deion Kane and so on and so forth. So, I mean, they'll have their biggest test of the year in this game with their blocking abilities. But I think previous to this, the biggest test was Ohio State against a very talented D, and they were up to the task. So, you know, put that, again, in the vote of confidence area for right. this offense. And just to, you know, we're talking to Dozer and talking about not them having, not having faced an offense as, as as good as ours. Dynamic. And, as dynamic. Yeah, and see what you want. And, they said, and he said, yeah, we have. We face Washington. And nothing against the, those guys. They do have John Ross. They have – and Browning's a, a, a solid quarterback. But uh, they, their offensive line is nowhere near uh, as good as ours. Their offensive line is not very good at all, uh, Washington's. So, it, I mean, that just adds a, a completely different dynamic to a game when you're – when Tomlinson, when you're watching him just bully that true freshman right guard – um, I mean, Clemson won't have that. So, yeah, and I just, think what you saw different. from Browning, he was pressured on less than 15% of plays overall, but he was very quick to go to the sideline, you know, scramble out of the pocket. Um, just that fear of pressure, I think, got to Jake Browning. We know that's not going to happen for Deshaun Watson. He's going to stand in there. You know, he's seen this team before. Um, and, you know, I, I agree with you. I think our O line's more talented. Mm-hmm. I think his evasive abilities much better than Browning. He's a threat with his feet. So yeah, different deal here. I, I go back to the, they just haven't faced this level of dynamic offense this year. Last time they did, it was us one year ago. Right. And it's, again, it's not to say that we're going to win because you haven't faced something this good. It's just to say it's hard to calibrate right. for how you will do because we are a lot better than anything you've seen, including uh, the practice field. So um, whereas you look at the other, the flip side, you know, their defense is, is amazing and better than anyone we faced all year. But the, the delta between us and a Washington, um, on, I think, is bigger than the delta between them and Ohio State. Or exactly. The, you know, certain other solid defenses we've played. This will be our what seventh top twenty defense that we'll face this year. Um, you know, I think Bam is the most talented. They they're number one in recruiting like the last four years, pretty sure in a row. Um, USC might have had one in that stretch, but you know they're there for a reason. They reload every year, but I think this offense is up to the task, right? And and they might not they might not need to score thirty five points or or forty points in order to win. Uh, they just need to keep the chains moving, uh, get some some field position, and then obviously score. Uh, red zones I'm a little worried about because man, a team that covers has linebackers that can cover space and push you off the ball. Um, that that'll be a, a something to keep an eye out when we do get into the red zone. Can we capitalize? Yeah, I think what. Washington scored out from outside of the red zone, I'm pretty sure. I think Clemson's shown ability to do that. You know, to me, that would be a key in this game. If, if Clemson's able to get those long passes or runs, um, you know, m- making Alabama pay on aggressiveness elsewhere in their defense um, by connecting, I think that's going to be key. Much rather do that than have to go down there in the red zone and make something happen. But again, I, I stick with the playmakers. I think we will find a way to manufacture points. And, you know, this could come down to place kicker and, um, we've trusted Hugel. I think he's had some misses this year, but he's been solid in that sort of 40 to 49 yard range. Um, if it should, should stall a bit. So that sounds good. I think going back to the pod extravaganza show, Dozer did not seem too confident in their place kickers ability. Um, mentioned he's better at smoking cigarettes than kicking field goals. Um, maybe to stick with special teams. I mean, I think that is where Alabama in the return game last year, they, they scored a touchdown on us this year. They have, um, several special teams returns for touchdowns. That's going to be an issue. We saw the kick return coverage for Clemson in that Ohio State game was actually one of the, the few dark spots of that game for us. Um, I thought punt coverage was good. Tease all had a hell of a game, um, but I would have to give the punting edge to Alabama's punter, um, who just looked incredible in that Washington game. Yeah, it, that's a big. It's a big part of it. I hate you know I hate talking about special teams because it, it is what it is, right? Um, not much you can add to it, but you're yeah. right. It, this game, a lot of it will come down to field position. Uh, can we? It, it, and I, like Clemson's got to play neutral, in my opinion. You know, not let it, not let it, not play them to a draw in, in special teams, but not lose the game on special teams. I right think is, is the absolute key. Because I'm kind of resigned to we're, we're probably not going to win the special teams battle. We're, they'll probably beat us, maybe even by a, a large mark. But like you said, we can't give up a touchdown on a kickoff. 
Uh, we can't drop a punt. I'm glad Artavis Scott is back there fielding punts. Um, and heck, I'm okay with letting it go and letting them pin us back in order to not drop it if there's something that's shaky. But uh, yeah, I mean that's 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 how the the tide could turn. No pun intended. If in, in one of those plays, and I and I don't want to get into a you know a defensive battle either. We're we're saving pulls a few strings like last year, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I think I think we're ready. Are you ready? I think so. I mean, I, since uh, certainly that Fiesta Bowl is going to give any Clemson fan confidence going into this game, but when you look at how Alabama's offense wasn't really able to move it with that much capability against Washington outside of Scarborough, um, knowing what we did against this team a year ago, and just in general, like success that we've enjoyed coming into this year, the focus of the team, everything we're hearing, I do feel confident. I do feel good going into this game. I'm ready for them to just spot the ball. Unfortunately, kickoff's not till Monday. <laughs> so the the spread is six points, and we cover, right? I mean, like of course we think we're gonna win. I mean, don't you just take the money line? Maybe that's the better question. If you're a Clemson fan, do you bet the spread or do you bet the money line? I, I tend not to bet on Clemson. I think you know I'm already emotionally invested enough when our team you know is playing. Don't need to put my money on the line. But I think in this game, you take the under, you take the points. You know, for Clemson to cover. If we win that game, you win that bet too. If you're into betting, parlay those two. <laughs> Somehow we got to pay for these tickets, right? Right, exactly. And your flight home. Right. <laughs> um, maybe the last question here, Cody, with the news about Lane Kiffin, where would you put the coaching edge in this game or the coaching? Where would you calibrate uh, coaching in this game? I really like what I saw from Tony Elliott. I know you're talking about the other side of the ball, but. No, in general, holistically. I, I think, our, I think our, I mean, okay, so once you factor in that, that Sarkeesian stepping in for Lane Kiffin, and we, we already talked about it, that's got to be a small drop-off. I think we're neck and neck with him because um, Venables, uh, he's, he's the best coordinator in the game. Uh, he's, he's, at least, he's right up there on a very short list. So I think that helps us on defense. I think what we saw from schematically against Ohio State proves that he can, he can develop a masterpiece, and I think you'll see something similar. Um, the wild card being how we do on offense and, and Tony Elliott's play calling, what he's drawn up, how he'll respond. Um, ultimately, slight, slight, slight coaching edge to Alabama. And that says a lot. We would have been, we would have never said that two years ago. So yeah, um, slight, ed, slight edge to Alabama, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean, I think Jeremy Pruitt, Alabama's defensive coordinator, was at Florida State previously when they made the big run in 2013. Nick Saban, I mean, these guys are incredibly capable um, defensive coaches, but when you introduce that Sarkeesian factor, we all know what Venables has been capable of. I mean, I think I think it's maybe a slight Alabama advantage, like you said. Um, but feeling good, I think that's part of what's you know adding to Clemson fans' confidence here. So, any parting thoughts, I guess, for this this national championship game? I I just feel like after seeing what we saw against Ohio State, and the whole year we were we were a little frustrated because we felt like all of the the frustration from losing to Alabama, the way we lost to Alabama, the attention to detail, the lack of focus, whatever it was, I thought we would channel that into this just big F you, um, you know, stick it to every opponent we see on the schedule in 2016 team. And we didn't see that. We saw a lot of what we saw in the national championship game, a lack of effort and focus and, and at, at times in the season. And we knew when we saw bits and pieces of this team and when we would put it together against Louisville in the first half, against uh, Florida State in the second half, we knew how good we could be, but uh, I, I finally saw it in Ohio, against Ohio State. It's a team that really, really wants it, and like I, I've been calling, following college basketball, college football for a long time. And those teams that have both the experience and that motivation and that chip on their shoulder generally prevail against a team that I'm not saying Alabama doesn't want it. I know they do, but I can't think they want it as much as we do. And I, that says something, but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens on, on Monday night. What are, you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, man. I mean, I think ask a Clemson fan, what's your storybook ending to a national championship season? And you can't do much better than coming in and beating an elite program, elite head coach. Everyone would put Urban Meyer up there as the number two coach in college football right now, almost without question. Number one is Nick Saban. You beat both of those guys to you know, clinch that national championship. That is the dream season for us. You get the redemption story coming in. You get Deshaun Watson's likely to be his last snaps in a Tiger uniform coming in this game. I think it does add the potential and capacity to be that storybook ending for us. 
So that's really exciting. Peaking at the right moment too. Um, down the stretch, we we did see the renewed focus from this team um, after that Pittsburgh loss. And to your point, Alabama didn't necessarily have that type of wake up moment where they had to get their stuff together and play, you know, with no margin for error. I'm not saying, I mean, there's no margin for error for them in this game, but have they really gotten punched in the mouth by any teams out there and shown that ability to overcome adversity? I'm not as sure. And you talk about the motivation and um, hunger factor, you know, they're, they're without one of their coaching leaders on this team in this game. And again, that's not likely to be a major advantage for Clemson. Uh, but that's a lot of these things can sort of start to add up. And, you know, I think Clemson will have the focus advantage in this game. So um, I'm feeling strong. Let's just snap the ball, right? Yeah, let's get it here. Let's get it here. Um, I, I'm with you. And then uh, I guess the thing I could say, the things that we can control in terms of just not turning the ball over uh, and playing to our potential, not even not even making spectacular plays, but just not making bad plays Feels like it'll be enough to keep us in the game. If we're turning the ball over, the ball's kicking off of our leg, bouncing off of our leg, then we'll lose. And I like, and then we've seen both versions of Clemson. Which one will show up? <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of times this year, you know, when we played guys like Lamar Jackson and other teams, it's like if they beat us because their number one weapon is just doing things we can't stop. On some level, I'm fine with that. I think if if it's a game where Clemson had the opportunity, we had that window, and our own mistakes or you know, they're able to just push us around in certain aspects of this game. Uh, or our O-line can't stop their front seven. I mean, to me, that some of these things are it won't sit well as a fan. And, you know, I still haven't been able to rewatch that national championship game from a year ago. Um, I'm hoping no matter what in this game, we can just make it about who's the best team on the field. Right, exactly. Because the things that cost us the game last year were totally in our control. And I don't know, I, I just can't see, like, we're, we're not, it's going to not... It's not going to catch us off guard at how good their defensive line is. We know they're good. Are they better than last year? Did they eat their Wheaties in the offseason? And maybe we shouldn't use that as our baseline, but I feel like we can at least hold up. So, But I, I agree with you. If, if we get pushed around, it's not going to sit well with me, but I, I would rather get pushed around and lose because we couldn't match their, their phys- physicality as opposed to blown coverages in the back end. Yeah, and getting you know three pick sixes and lose the game that way. On, yeah, or an onside kick. Right, exactly. <laughs> Um, well, hey, we're absolutely looking forward to this. You will hear from the podcast um, probably two to three days after the game. I know you guys are going to go to Tampa. Uh, we'll take the moment to shout this out. This is a shot in the dark, but Ben and Cody are going down to Tampa. Anyone that's got a pair of tickets that they are able to hook the po- podcast up with, uh, face value or somewhat reasonable, hit us up at clemsonpodcast at gmail.com. Hope you guys are able to get into that game and see it firsthand. Anything to add there? Yeah, I'm, I'm blown away by how much the tickets cost right now. And hopefully uh, with the secondary market opening up, hopefully we'll find something that's reasonable. But uh, yeah, I, 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 if you're not going to the game because you don't want to pay $1,000, uh, let me know where you're watching it because I'm, I'm not opposed to meeting outside either because, wow, the ticket prices are quite high. Yeah, so we'll also be pretty active on Twitter, at least leading up to the game. I don't know during the game if we will, but check us out on ClemsonPodcast at Twitter.com. And um, otherwise, guys, definitely enjoy the game. I know the weather's pretty rough in uh, the southeast at the moment with winter settling in. So everyone stay safe out there. Hopefully uh, this show has been entertaining. Appreciate the word of mouth. Appreciate you spreading the word about the podcast to everyone. And uh, last thing, as always, go Tigers. tonight was listen we give you scholarships we give you uh you know stipends and meals and a place to live we give you nice uniforms i can't give you guts and i can't give you heart and tonight hey it was byog bring your own guts and they brought some guts and some heart and they know